Well, good morning, everyone. I'm delighted to be here and getting to share the message with you guys this morning. Joe and Laura are, are out this week. They'll be back next Sunday. Um, for those of you who might not know me, my name is Carmen Harper, and I am delighted to get to serve Woodlawn as an associate pastor. Let's pray and we'll get started. Holy Father, thank you for Woodlawn and the opportunity to be here in your presence this morning. We ask that as we take this time to hear from and about you, that you make yourself known to us in real and tangible ways. Speak to our hearts and spirits so that we are revived and refreshed by these moments with you. Bind up the enemy in any way that he might be working against this service or your people. Help us to forget the things of this world and focus solely on you. You are our heart's desire. Reveal to us your love and your plans for our lives. Show us what it means to truly be your disciples. Hedge us about that we might not venture out and into sin. And place your word as a light to our feet that we may know the way we should walk. When we're in doubt as to our decisions, let us hear your spirit speak to us and show us the directions to take. Use us to change this community and draw others to you. In Jesus' holy, precious name, amen. amen. So I'm going to read today's scripture first, and then I'm going to point out some stuff about it. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be looking at Psalm 19. Um, I'm reading from the New International Version. It, this is such a beautiful psalm. So if you just want to close your eyes and listen to God speak, um, do that. But have your word um, with you and available so you can see what I'm talking about later. So Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejo rejoicing to run his course. It rises of one, at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins, May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't know if you noticed while I was reading, but this psalm has three separate and distinct parts. The first two are pointing out something, and the third is how the psalmist responds in light of what he's just explained. So we're going to look at this psalm in the way that it was written in those three parts. So section one is the first six verses, and it explains to us that God reveals himself to us through his creation. And section two is verses seven through 11, and it shows us that God reveals himself to us through his word. And section three is the last few verses which show us something that you will see a great number of times in the Psalms and hopefully in your own lives as well. And that is that God's revelation of himself brings repentance. Let's look at section one. The psalmist proclaims the heavens declare the glory of God. The the skies proclaim the work of his hands. God is making himself known through his creation. For those of you who may be new to the faith or you wonder how God speaks, the psalmist is telling us right here, God uses what he has made to reveal himself to us. It says day after day they pour speech forth. Night after night they are revealing knowledge to us. That is telling us that God's creation is constantly pointing to him all day, all night, every single day. Romans 1.20 gives testimony to this truth. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome, and it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse day and night since time began. Paul is saying that people can know certain things from looking at creation. One, they know that there is a God who created all things. And two, they can find out about God's nature and character by looking at those things, so much so that we have no excuse as to whether or not we know that there's a God. In fact, we cannot say that there is no God because he has revealed himself through creation. So if you continue reading there in Romans, it says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. All they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Paul is saying God revealed himself to us through his creation and people recognize it. And when you look at the vastness of the starry skies at night, there is something deep within us that goes, there is no way that this happened by chance. But there are those who are not going to allow that revelation to speak. They refuse to listen. 
They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. And instead of worshiping God, they created idols that look like the very things that God created, and they chose to worship them. The psalmist said this was happening all around him. You know, those who do not believe in the creator God made their own. The Egyptians had gods of the sky and of the sea and of everything in between. What is very interesting to me about this is that although they did not worship God rightly, they did worship. In our day, it's still the same. We were created to worship. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something else, whether we acknowledge it as worship or not. So even those who don't claim to worship God worship their own ideas. Scientists who believe themselves to understand so much about the vastness of the universe and all the things that, created, that God has created, they claim that science can explain what happened. Their best explanation is that some untold millennia ago, there was a cosmic explosion and everything that we see was created out of nothing. And out of the primordial ooze came these animals that evolved into the people that you see today. They do not worship God. But they set their minds and their worldviews around the idea that intelligent design happens by chance. It is those very ideas that they conceive that set the tone for their lives and for the things that they worship. Back to Psalm 19. It says, creation uses no words or speech, but its voice goes out into all of the earth. Their words to the end of the world. There is absolutely no human being on this planet who does not hear and does not see God revealing himself. It says the heaven, in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Now the psalmist was writing this thousands of years ago and he could not explain how the sun just seemed to hang there in the sky. Frankly, I don't understand it either. He just says, God made this house for the sun in the sky and it comes out and it goes down and it gives warmth. He says, nothing is deprived of its warmth. There is that idea again that everything is touched by God's revelation of himself through creation. So let's take a look at the second section. It says, God reveals himself through his word. These few verses contain six separate statements about God's word, each a little different, and each explaining something about God's word, followed by a statement of how that word does something both in us and for us. Take a look with me. It says, the, Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord 
are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Now, the first thing that I've noticed in these verses is that these very words used to describe God's word are used in other places in his words to describe his character. The psalm says the word of the Lord is perfect. Matthew 5, 48 says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. The psalmist calls the word of the Lord trustworthy. Now, there are tons of verses in the Bible that say that God can be trusted. My personal favorite is one you probably heard. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It says the word of the Lord is right. Well, Daniel says in 914, the Lord is right in everything he does. And then the psalmist begins to shift a little bit right here. And you see this happen in the Psalms pretty often as well. It is as if he is thinking so deeply about God and who he is and his revelation of himself and his character. And it sends the psalmist into this place where he just has to testify to the goodness of God. He says, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold and sweeter than honey straight from the honeycomb. And at this time, honey was the sweetest substance known on this earth. They didn't have stevia. <laughs> he is saying, they warned me not what, they warned me what not to do. And when I bathe them, my life is so rewarding. He is testifying to the fact that God's commands are for our good. They're not rules just to be followed because God is God and he says. They create safeguards for our lives. And living God's way will keep us from harm and from pain and from drama. The Bible says in this world, we'll have tribulation but it should not arise from your own behavior. And if we do what God says, it will not. Now, the final section of the psalm teaches us something that we already know if we were in Christ, and that is that God's revelation of himself brings repentance, right? I know that so well in my own life because I still remember that very moment, that very place in time that I was when God revealed himself to me and revealed what he had done for me. And I fell on my face in that moment in my home, by myself, in my living room, and I repented. And I asked the Lord into my life. That's the revelation of God that the psalmist is talking about right here because the same thing is happening to him. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive me for my hidden faults. You see, next to who God is, he realizes I am sinful. I'm so sinful that I don't even know all the ways that I am sinning. Reveal them to me, Lord. And then the psalmist stops talking to us and he starts to talk to the Lord. 
It is if he is reminded who he is in front of God. And he says, Lord, forgive me. When I see who you are, I realize that I am sinful. I see myself for who I am. Keep me from willful sins that they do not rule over me. Keep me from screwing up, Lord. You're the only thing that can. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. So God revealed in creation, revealed through his word, and that brings revelation that leads to repentance. But when I was thinking about God's revelation of himself, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a scripture in Hebrews. It's from Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, so much of this scripture in Hebrews echoes the words of the psalmist. Again, we see God revealing himself by both his word and his creation. But his greatest revelation of himself is through Christ Jesus who it says is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of who God is. Now on the heels of Easter, as we have just been reminded exactly what Jesus has done, through a, done for us, I think is the perfect time to talk about God's revelation of himself through Jesus. So if we are to understand who God is, we must look at Jesus we have to see a God who left the splendor of heaven, who gave himself into the hands of his creation in the form of a helpless babe, choosing not to be born in a palace, but to be born into a poor family, living life selflessly and without sin, willingly going to the cross to pay the sin debt that we had created for ourselves, we had already been found guilty and we were without hope until he intervened. He bled and he died for us to pay for our sins. He rose again that we may live forever with him. And the word says that he gave us the Holy Spirit to indwell us as the down payment of our glorious future in his presence for eternity. If we are to recognize who God is through the revelation of himself, that is what we must see. We must see love, selflessness, sacrifice, and humility. That is why when God chooses to reveal himself to us, the only true and correct and right response from his created ones 
is repentance. So here's what I'm going to do. Musicians, if you'll come and begin to play, I'm going to do something that we don't do near often enough. I'm going to say to you, the altar is open. If you feel like there are things in your life that you need to bring before God and repentance, now is the time. If God is revealing himself in Jesus Christ to you for the first time, I want you to make your way down here when they begin to play, and I want you to allow us to pray with you so that you can receive Christ. Do not worry about what others think about why you're in the altar. God and what he thinks matters more. Simply come. Father in heaven, thank you for the revelation of yourself through your creation and your word. Thank you for loving us and sending Jesus so that we could understand the depth of your love you have for us. And we could begin to understand just how good you are. We love you, Father. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness and make us new. Lord, give us a burden, not only for our sins, but for those those that we know that are lost, Lord. If we don't need to be in the altar for ourselves, Lord, put a burden on our, our hearts to be in the altar for those that we know that who are living in death at this very moment, Lord. Show us how you feel about the lost. Give us a heart for them. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.